We live in a society that's constantly trying to change everything around it. But what if we spent more time changing what we can control ourselves? My name is Brad. And I'm Justin. And we want to invite you to join us as we talk with some of our friends about using this amazing tool called the Enneagram as we build the new you to be better today for a better tomorrow. Welcome to episode 10 of the Better Today podcast. I am Brad Livingston. And I am Justin Oswald. And we are super excited to have you guys back. Another episode. And we've just had tons of fun the past few weeks. And uh, everyone that we've had on, it's just been great. It's been awesome. Um, I've... I've listened, you know, every time a, an episode drops, I, I, you know, I'm subscribed and I listen to it again, you know, um, learning so much about the different types, you know, yeah. it's like, I remember back when we were in Atlanta, it's like the, the person who is the type is the expert. And That's it's right. like, man, I'm learning a lot from uh, going back and just listening to as each episode drops. So, but we're back with episode 10 today. Episode 10. And, uh, we've got a good, uh, a guest with us who, yep. uh, came to be uh, a friend, another one of our Atlanta trainees, uh, uh, however you want to communicate that <laughs> yeah but our friend ray ellen kovish and uh, uh and so man thank you for being on ray ellen yeah thanks so much for having me it's so awesome to be with you guys yeah so uh ray ellen is an eight she is and so, so um, we're going to have tons of fun today talking about the life of an eight, the lens of an eight the world of an eight i do believe that it is for all non eights and i would say non threes i don't think threes are threatened by eights either but for a lot of the other types can be very intimidated by our presence and i'm sure we'll get into that a little bit but um as an eight and so uh ray ellen we we just want to let's let our guests get to know you a little bit all right so we're going to hit you with a few just random questions but tell us a little bit about you ray ellen to just you, who you are your life you know not your whole life story but who you who you are what you do all those yeah, things all those things well other than being that scary intimidating eight right <laughs> that hopefully to unpack um yeah ray ellen kovich i um live in Atlanta, Georgia. I am an executive leadership coach um, and a also a executive team coach. So my uh, practice focuses on working with uh, business leaders um, from the you know mid to senior executive level and and I spend a lot of my time uh, working with them on gaining their own self-awareness and looking at their behaviors, how they show up, focus a lot on emotional intelligence and building trust in teams. I do a lot of my coaching focused on executive level women, um, but certainly um, work with a lot of men as well and came to that uh, practice having spent my own time in the corporate world, being a leader of teams and certainly going through the challenges of my own personal growth and my own journey of what it was like to lead teams um, with the eight in me and, and on my own personal journey growth, but really love the world of executive leadership coaching and have found it to be a great outlet, not only for my own strengths and, and as I've grown through my struggles, if you will. Um, but I really enjoy supporting other leaders and helping see them be successful. So um, I, I am a, a member of the North, North Point Community Church here in Atlanta. Um, I did a lot of my coaching through the Professional Christian Coaching Institute. And so it's really cool. been a bl- blessing for me to bring a lot of my strengths to the world of, of leadership coaching. I love that. That's so awesome. Well, and and I, do you remember when we were at our our 
at the in Atlanta at the training, you know, there was a lot of us um, that were in the in the church space, and there was someone else from North Point Community Church that was there. I don't remember who it was. Yeah, Johnson, probably. She's a friend of mine. Yeah, she she was on staff at. at uh, 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 actually, other folks I think that were on staff maybe from the Gwinnett campus. Yes. I can't remember their yeah. names at the moment. Yes, yes. I, I remember those several from I, from I the know. North I, Point. I've been emailing just, them, and now I'm frustrated. Yeah, I can't um, it's just it's just funny how <laughs> that all how that all works. So, um, Ray Ellen, you're a type eight. What is your subtype? So I am a self preservation eight. A self preservation is that what you are, Brad? Uh, self pres eight. Yep. Okay, all right, awesome, very cool. Kristen from yes, yes. Kristen from. Uh, on campus yeah awesome awesome yeah so self-pres a self-pres eight okay awesome and then one one question we ask everybody as we kind of get to know each person is uh your top three musical artists and this can be top three of all time or top three like your current top three that you're go-to and, J- and Justin does judge harshly I, I judge on these answers. I people by their answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy. Well, then I'm going to really throw you here, Justin, okay. because, um, you know, music is hard for me because my go-to is not always music. Uh, um, oh. And it probably needs to be, and we could talk more about that. But my, my, you know, when I do have my musical collection, I'm all over the map. I'm, I'm, and it really depends on what my mood is. I'm everything from Andrea Bocelli and light classical and oh, Mercy. Mercy Me and the and the um, spiritual side of things to anything country and up to and including Hoobastank, which is completely rock. So yeah. um, I'm all over the map, truly. Man, you know, speaking of Hoobastank, Hoobastank. <laughs> I saw Hoobastank in concert years ago. They were the opening act for Incubus. Yep back when the Bayfront Auditorium was still in Pensacola. It was like yeah. the last year. We had this auditorium forever and ever downtown Pensacola, and they tore it down. Like the last year it was there. Yeah. Incubus came through, and Hoobastank opened up for them. They were nobodies then, and I I remembered them. And then, of course, they kind of had a few hits since then. But um, yeah. And yeah. interesting, Hoobastank is like the middle name of the bass player or something like that. If I'm not mistaken. Oh, is that right? Yeah, is that. that a weird name? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think Hoobastank is probably one of those names. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. He's like, if I ever thought we were actually going to get famous from this, I'd have picked a different name because it was terrible. <laughs> so, uh, well, but, yeah, that, yeah. That, those are good. Those are good choices. I mean, you're kind of all over the map there, which so are we when it comes to music. Andre so. Bocelli, that's an interesting one. Uh, I, I wasn't familiar with him, uh, as familiar with him, but I'm a big David Foster fan. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Uh, in my familiarity with David Foster, you know, Bocelli kind of, and that's how, I don't know, if, are you, not to get way off topic here, but we're here already. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> are you familiar, you're familiar with Josh Groban? Of course. Have you heard yeah. the story of how Josh Groban got hooked up with David Foster? Um, uh, wasn't he um, a sit-in or a stand-in or something? For, for Bocelli, yeah. So, uh, they were, we need to find someone that can <laughs> do something close to this. Call if David Foster himself calls Josh Groban's like, hey, I need you to come do this. He's yeah, Bocelli can't get here for a couple days. We need someone for sound check, blah, blah, blah. And Groban said, no. <laughs> it's like, I'm no, I don't want to do that. And his parents are like, you're an idiot. Call him back. And Foster called him two more times. And finally he went and then he blew up, you know, the whole story. I mean, you know, now Groban is who he is. But I, I have a funny story about Andrea Bocelli too. You know, years ago when my husband and I were first married, he was at work one day and he called and he goes, you know, my boss has these tickets for some lady that's singing downtown Atlanta, Andrea, somebody with a B. I was like, some lady, first of all, is that <laughs> 
absolutely we're going you yeah. know yeah that's funny that would be how if it was me and my wife that's how that conversation would go some injury i don't you know i'd be like are you kidding me uh, i bug her all the time so i'm a big music person i come out of music producing so that's a, a lot of it in my background so someone like david foster to me is just like oh my gosh and uh we'll be listening to anything on the radio from the 90s and i'm like you know who produced this right she's like a don't care b i know it's david foster now so thank you you know like so but anyways that's awesome uh that's awesome so just and i are big foodies we love like we love good food, good food. i like bad food too i mean, yeah, I, mean yeah. I, I was eating ramen noodles the other night yeah, for dinner it was love. fantastic <laughs> so what is uh what's your go-to ray ellen like uh you know if you're if you're picking tonight what is it yeah, well, if I'm picking, I'm not cooking. So I can no, no, yeah. So pretty much anything where I'm not cooking is big. <laughs> but um, yeah, my family, we're big sushi fans. Come okay, on. yes. Fully all about sushi. And um, and I would say for me personally, then anything dark chocolate. I'm a huge dark chocolate fan. The darker, the better. Um, uh, you know, cocoa straight out of the can. It's, okay. you know, <laughs> okay. I love dark chocolate. Okay, so sushi yeah. and then a little dark chocolate for dessert. My wife just went date night sushi last night. So, oh, really? Yep. So, yeah. I love sushi, but I got to be in the mood for it. If I'm in the mood for it, I love it. Yeah. But I need to be in the mood for it. But yeah. I do love it. Feel that. So, uh, Raylan, uh, you you kind of dabbled on this earlier. Take a, what was your journey in finding the enneagram? Like, what did that look like? Because you you were doing coaching and leadership stuff. So, what did that what did that look like as you segue to the enneagram? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so as an executive leadership coach, as you can un- imagine, I am, have been, you know, certified and trained in a number of different personality assessments and different uh, leadership oriented assessments. In fact, I, I always say that when I went back and got my MBA, I was assessed to death. I mean, I think I took you know, so many of them such that, you know, I can remember having to put together an Excel spreadsheet with all the data and kind of was like, okay, what is this really telling me? Who am I? Um, And so I've been, you know, very, very familiar with them. I would say I became um, most familiar with Enneagram through Andy Stanley references it, Ian Crone, um, certainly through that and, um, and found out that, you know, this was just kind of appearing. So I, came to uh, being accredited with the IE9 Enneagram, not having a long history with it. Um, it was fairly new for me, but grabbed on grabbed onto it pretty quickly just because of my assessment and my coaching work and really found that, you, you know, for me, it was a, it was a great way to explore that, you know, we all have pieces of, I think, you know, each number in us and it's mm-hmm. a way to kind of, you know, look at the different strengths, but, you know, I love it because it helped me to um, finally, I think, understand um, myself and kind of the unique way of how, you know, God has shaped us. Um, I, I do think that for me, it's not, it's becoming more prevalent in the business world, particularly with millennials and the younger generations more familiar with it. So I think it's more important. Um, but I think uh, my perspective with the Enneagram is that some have viewed it as more of a spiritual sense and some have you viewed it as, Oh, these are nonprofits and church-based faith-based organizations using the Enneagram. And I'm a big believer that it's a huge opportunity in the business world because uh, leaders, if they can truly embrace 
and understand their under underlying motivations and why they show up the way they do, it's far more beneficial in helping them grow in their own leadership yeah. and in leading teams and their effect on people. So it's mm. been a it's been a relatively new journey for me into the Enneagram, but I'm grateful that I found it and I've begun to put it into my coaching practice. Love that. That's awesome. Yeah, I was very I, our our journey is very similar. I mean, we're relatively compared to someone like Jim from a couple episodes ago as the six who's been coaching the Enneagram for 20 years when he came into our class, you know, whereas <laughs> I, was, I, 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 the way I describe it to everyone is like, Justin kind of dragged me there. Like he was like, we really need to do this. And I was like, I don't even, like, I knew what the Enneagram was, but I was like, ah, all right, fine. You know, yeah. like and now here we are, you know, with a podcast and uh, a coaching deal, you know, like, um, but yeah, I, I, I came into that class relatively green honestly i knew that there were nine types i knew what they were but i was very limited in my knowledge scope so i uh, you were probably a little more knowledgeable than i was but uh very similar and like i was this was kind of new for me we had done the myers-briggs stuff we had done strength finders we have done like disc we had done all that stuff so um and then lo and behold at least for us and i, I don't know if you feel the same way um that the the enneagram is so much more in depth like it, mm-hmm. it pulls it, 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 it does such a better job than anything else we've seen because it deals with core motivations as we've talked about in so many episodes. Yeah. And, and as you as you know, uh, it just, sure. it gets down to the core of the person and that, you know, it, it saves us four five, six sessions with people trying to figure out their lens and it takes us straight there, which is so helpful. Yes. And I think the, the IEQ nine in particular is so thorough. Um, and, you know, I know you guys have addressed that a lot on your, on your previous podcast too, the, the uniqueness to that and why that's such a, a cornerstone, uh, uh, cornerstone, um, Enneagram report, um, that I, I have yet to find anyone that I've shared this with, um, who's taken it with me in my coaching conversations, who've said, oh, that's not me. Um, and in fact, I've had a leader who even said to me, you know, this finally explains yeah. what I've been grappling with and mm. trying to understand about myself for so many years. Um, and, you know, there's, you know, certainly flaws in lots of different personality assessments, but I think it's primarily what I've seen in my experience because they aren't so thorough and they're not so complete and they don't bring that depth. And the IEQ-9 really brings that depth of understanding um, to really explain, you know, a lot of leaders will say, well, I get it. I'm, I'm very direct. I, I get that's who I am, but why is it? And and how do I fix that? And, mm-hmm. and so the Enneagram for me has allowed me to help coach leaders that it's not necessarily about quote unquote fixing you. It's truly about embracing you and and leveraging your strengths and better understanding why your struggles are the way they are. So we can learn to adapt um, and make the best use of some of those. So, yeah, I think it's, it's a phenomenal tool. Well, it's like Jim said in episode eight, it's almost like with some of those others, you know, not that they're bad, you know, Myers-Briggs and, and disc and all these things, but it's just like, okay, you're, you're an ENTJ, like, okay, now what? You know, it's just, you're, you're an ENTJ or what, whatever. Right, and right, it's right. like, but now what? You know, and I, I love how the Enneagram helps you peel back some of the layers a little bit and, and understand it's, it's, uh, it's great. Yeah. Love, love it. And we deal with that a lot. You know, you, you mentioned it. We deal with that a lot on our end. And I'm sure you do too. Um, where, where people are coming in saying, I, I you know, I, I took this test or that test. I took this Enneagram thing or that Enneagram thing. And, and I, you know, I'm more confused than I was when I started and, and the IEQ nine, like you said, is so thorough. It helps mm-hmm. nail down. And as you know, for those people that don't know, we, I don't know that we've mentioned this a lot as it, when people sign up 
and they take the test through us. Number one, like we don't profit tons of money when they do it through us. It does mm-hmm. give us the ability to help coach better because we have access to information that they don't. Right. Uh, and we get a, 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 a packet uh, that we can help coach the individual better, you know, and there's so much information in there, far more than just a type. I mean, good yeah. gracious, you know, <laughs> the, you know, Hornivian and the whatever, <laughs> you know, like the centers of expression, like there's so much information and it's so helpful to help coach people, you know? Yes. And, you know, um, you know, I'm a, um, ICF certified credentialed coach. And so I've had, you know, thousands of hours of coaching and, and, you know, hundreds of hours of formal coach training. And, and for me, it's a, it's almost a table stakes that when I, when I engage with a leader um, for a coaching assignment, that it's really important. I'm a big believer that leaders, we need to first and foremost, understand ourselves and um, a real quick, you know, okay, I'm an INTJ, there's a base level understanding, perhaps, of what that means, um, but certainly recognizing more depth. Um, a lot of my work in my coaching with leaders uh, focuses on our intentions versus our behaviors. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think the Enneagram really helps understand our intentions, our motivations, um, and also how those behaviors can be misrepresented. Um, but I liken it to the iceberg where, you know, above the waterline right. are our behaviors. That's all anybody sees, how we show up, what we say, um, what our presence is like, the things we do. That's all anybody sees. But below the waterline, that iceberg, as we all know, is so much bigger and there's so much more there. And our intentions don't always come out. And oftentimes our intentions particularly even in an eight, our intentions are very different than what we see in our behaviors. So a lot of my coaching work helps leaders better understand that and helps them truly get more comfortable aligning their intentions with their behaviors, particularly as they're leading teams, mm-hmm. because it's so important um, that that the leader himself is, is super familiar with getting that aligned so that they can truly get the results through their teams that ultimately that they're looking for. Mm, that's yeah. good. That's so, that's so good. Well, before we go much further in talking about the life of an eight, um, for anyone that may just be listening for the first time, I'm going to read out of our IEQ nine. I'm going to read what an eight is to kind of okay. give get everybody on the same page of, of what actually like the definition is. And then as we get in talking about it, maybe it'll, it'll make uh, some sense to people. But uh, the Enneagram type eight is called the active controller. Enneagram eights have a motivational need to be strong and avoid showing vulnerability. They value having a sense of control and being direct and impactful. Eights love challenges and will embody a need for justice, which enables them to protect others. Healthy eights are experienced by others as strong, deeply caring, and approachable. When they align with the flow of reality, they access innocence and openness to the world around them. At their worst, others will experience eights as domineering, aggressive, and lustful, and uh, an image that stems from the eight strategy to express themselves as larger than life in a threatening world. Mm. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just silence. Just uh, silence so, for a second. Si- signing off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So that's yeah. the eight. That's the eight. Yeah. The active controller. Yeah. yeah so Ray Ellen, what I, I, we get a bad rap. Right. Like, uh, why, why, why do you, why do you think that is? I mean, we're talking about a life of an eight and we're going to, you know, we'll get into some of the others in a, in a little bit or in a few minutes, but why do you think it is that we get such a bad rap? Yeah. 
<sighs> we're just so misunderstood, aren't we? <laughs> you are. <laughs> we are. You definitely are. Yeah. Well, you know, I think a few things. Um, I'm the first person to say that I think there's a lot of unhealthy eights in the world. Mm. And, um, and you, you know, speaking for myself, you, you know, it, it's been a long journey, I think, for me to grow and embrace the healthy side of an eight, um, particularly because there is that need to control things, but controlling things because of safety for ourselves. Um, but it goes back to, I think, the behaviors of what I described a little bit before. How an eight shows up is so intense and an eight may not necessarily intentionally try to be intense, right? <laughs> um, but we can be a larger than life presence in a room, even when we're just sitting there and not saying anything. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that's taken me a, um, a real journey to grasp and to understand and to embrace um, and, and so you see a lot of leaders or a lot of eights be in the position of leadership um, in the corporate space, in the business world, um, in, in lots of different areas, um, because we naturally gravitate to wanting to be in charge. We, you know, strategically already think things through. We know what needs to happen. We're, you know, we're very comfortable in, in speaking, very comfortable in taking a stand, all those types of things. What I've had to learn over the years and, and going back to why I think an eight gets a bad rap is the level of intensity, mm. uh, particularly for some of the other others on the Enneagram is just like a gigantic wave. It, it, it's just a force coming at people. And, um, and that's where I think the bad rap comes because for an eight, we have to understand that until people can not be intimidated by us until people can feel that we actually care about them and embrace their thought and that we're open to what other people have to say, um, that it's not just about us until other people can feel that mm -hmm. from our presence, from our behavior, uh, there's no way they're getting to our intentions, mm -hmm. right? And so that intimidation intensity factor, I think, is a gigantic piece of why we're probably often misunderstood. Yeah. And, and so you know, I don't remember what episode we said it, but like the more, the more I learn and talk with people at the Enneagram, we, we, we know types by the unhealthy side of it. Right. When we're you talking think, about the gym. Yeah. We, right. When you think yeah. of a, uh, there are two, it's cause we're, you're seeing some, you know, no they, they're an eight, you yeah. see the unhealthy, you know, uh, when they are being those things. Like I, I, I was scrolling through Twitter last night, some of my old tweets. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't want to get political, but one of the tweets that says, like, I, I think Donald Trump is an, an unhealthy eight, <laughs> you know, the way he shows up sometimes. I was mm -hmm. like, man, I because I, I could see that this sure. larger than life presence and, sure. and all that. Um, but yeah. you're you, you're known by your unhealthy, the well, unhealthy side. And it's funny you say that, uh, Ray Ellen. I, uh, uh, Ray Ellen, I, you know, someone mentioned to me not long ago that they didn't want me in a meeting. Uh, mm -hmm. and i'm the boss right so it's like i'll i'll be in whatever meeting i'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i i you know uh they said we just we would rather you not be in that meeting and i was like why you know why don't you want me in that meeting and they said it's not that you even disagree with us it's that the fact that you don't agree with the stuff that you do like 
makes us uncomfortable and unaware of whether or not we're going in the right direction. So we would rather get a whole game plan together and then put it in front of you. Uh, because as we're talking, even if you're not, it, you don't have to nod your head no, but if you're not nodding your head yes, we're not comfortable with the direction of the conversation. And I thought yeah. to myself, my God, like, is that, that's all the time, you know, like I, I have that impact on people all the time, you know, like and as an aide, I was like, God, I think it's worse because you are the boss too. Well, yeah. If you were, if you weren't the boss, it wouldn't be as, as, as you know, but being, you know, let's not even use the word boss. Let's use the word leader, you know, as the lead pastor of our church and the leader and and the boss of this, you know, ultimately it's like that. I think that intensifies that in their mind. Yeah. You know, Cause I don't feel yeah. that way right. about you, but yeah. I'm a, I'm a three. You're and a three I, yeah. You take it on like, all right, I'm going <laughs> to win this. Right. You know? right yeah. yeah. So. so, but I could definitely see how that's the case. Yeah. 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 I, you know, one of the things I will um, often suggest to leaders in my coaching, you know, leadership carries a huge responsibility um, and that's a huge weight and eights take responsibility very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, that intensity, that presence of, of the feeling of your energy, Brad, in the room. Um, and then you add that layer on top of you are the boss, you know, people want to meet your expectation and, and le- and eight leaders have huge expectations. Mm-hmm. We don't always articulate them <laughs> and, but, but we do, you know, eights don't like uh, incompetence. You know, eights, you know, I really struggle That's with why. incompetence, right? <laughs> That's I have why an I think I'm an eight sometimes. I'm like, <laughs> I, you, you know, there's, I'll there's tell an someone, expert. you're incompetent. <laughs> like, uh, I'm the worst at that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, there's an expectation that, you know, you're in a role, you, you are, you know, you're functionally the expert in this area. So as an eight and as an eight leader, I expect that you're going to perform well in that, right? And you're going to know your stuff. Yeah. And if if you present it to me and you don't, it's it's a struggle. So I, it doesn't surprise me, Brad, that maybe they wanted to have the time to get those all those nuts and bolts figured out and all their I's dotted and T's crossed and then kind of present it to you because they probably do want to meet your expectation and and reach the level that you you want them to be at. Yeah. And and most of them are there. There's different types, but most of them that were in that conversation are all self-pres. Now there's a self-pres one, a self-pres five, self-pres three that were all part of that conversation, but nonetheless, all so well, that's also an important aspect of it too in that whole scheme of things which will you know we'll well and it, something but. that me and brad talk about you know because we've we've encountered this before like mm-hmm. with the with those teams and 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 that and it's kind of like the conversation is that we've had in the past because because i can be very similar in the in that um if i'm in the room and if i am at a meeting i'm going to give my opinion Right. Or we're all talking about something. We're going to speak up. Brad's the same way. And as the leader of the organization, you know, he's there. Sometimes it's like there are some there are sometimes I think it's not necessary for he or I to be in the room. They think it's necessary because up to that point, they never thought to put into words what they said, though. And it's like, wow, we we do we we can't do anything without the head nod from the higher up, uh, you know, quote unquote, the higher up. And it's like but sometimes Brad doesn't want that. He doesn't want to be in every meeting. He wants them to do what they were hired to do and are good at doing and are gifted to do. And it's this weird dichotomy of like, why won't they do more? And they're like, well, we're afraid to do this because we need it. Brad, we need to sign off on everything. So we're like, so for them to put that into words, I think is great because it's like, okay, because now they can put a plan together, come in, you know, and as long, you know, like, 
the eight sits in the, in the action center, mm-hmm. right? Put the plan in it's place. Really, Let's go get it done. It's really important um, for an eight leader and, and the eight leaders I've worked with um, to, you know, set in motion clear direction um, and to really focus on clarifying what the expectation is and really being clear because, you know, the eight leader wants our team to meet our goals, right? We, we expect people to meet our expectations. We want people to be yeah. confident in their roles. We want them to achieve what we want them to achieve. But the eight has to realize that it's on us to mm-hmm. be super clear in a way, not necessarily that we want to convey with our, you know, bottom line, direct intensity, you know, move through you kind of approach, um, but in a way that all the rest of the folks in the room can hear it. Yeah. And that requires really a healthy eight to recognize sometimes to dial it down, you know, um, to dial back maybe the tone, to soften the intensity, mm. to embrace others and help them see that, you know, we trust you. Mm-hmm. Um, and to give recognition where recognitions do. So there's a lot of behavioral work on the part of an eight um, to to really be clear and and getting others to to want to meet it. But you know, truthfully, the other the other challenge I think eights you know learn and and it's caught me off guard at times is we need an eight leader. You know, we need that that table that conference room table needs a leader at the table to take charge and to say here's the direction where we want to go. There's not a lot of people, particularly in the corporate world, sometimes. Um, that are very comfortable with putting themselves on the line and making those hardcore choices and decisions, mm-hmm. knowing that there's ramifications to that. Right. And so there's a lot of strength in an eight being willing to say, here's what it is and this does not meet it and we need to do better and, and we can do better. Yeah, that's so good. And I remember, I don't know if you remember this. So when we were at class, I had my eight reckoning where I was like, oh my God, I'm an eight, uh, you know, and, uh, and right after that, we went to the mat out in the lobby and we did our exercise on the mat. And it was after that, we broke up into groups. And I don't know if you remember this, but it was me, Justin, you and Jim. It was the four of us that ended up in a little, uh, in a little group. Um, and it was then that I was like, cause we had just gotten done watching the sleeping at last deal. I, I, <laughs> I had an emotional meltdown and then we go straight out there and I'm like, Oh my gosh. So I knew I was an eight and I walk out there. And as soon as we break apart and I was like, we were talking about our types. We were making sure like, okay, Justin, you're a three, right? Okay. Jim's a six. And, and, uh, I was like, yeah, I'm an eight. I know I'm an eight. Um, like I've, I've settled it in my heart or whatever. And Jim was like, I knew you were an eight the second I walked through the door. And I, like the first day I knew you were an eight. And I was like, what does that mean? And he, he and he made a statement. He said, eight don't try to be, they just are mm-hmm. right. It's, it's, you can like eights when they walk in the room, you know, an eight is an eight. It's just, we don't try to be, we just are right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's that confidence, I think, that presence, that confidence that says, I know why I'm here and I'm not afraid to say anything. I'm not afraid to ask a question. You know, it's funny, my daughter, who's a young teenager, I haven't typed her, but I'm pretty sure she's one, maybe has some six, uh, six in her as well. But she commented to me one time not too long ago. She said, you know, mom, she said, um, you know, the difference between you and me is if there's a bunch of people standing around and nobody really knows what to do. You're the first one, 
who will walk up to somebody and say, hey, I think we need to do this. Let's do this. You've got a plan. You start saying, hey, let's go and do all that. And she goes, I would never do that. And she goes, I'm the one who's standing around waiting for someone else to do that. Uh, and I thought, wow, that's really telling coming from, from a young person who, you know, certainly doesn't have the exposure and the years of experience that we do understanding that. But I think that's a big difference of the part of an eight. Mm -hmm. There's an eight leader that I'm working with, and he's former military, former West Point grad. Oh, goodness. Great, great guy, fun, loving. He's got a huge seven in him, too. Um, and you can pre-COVID, right, when we could walk into conference rooms, you could <laughs> walk, watch him walk into a conference room. And he, he's a jokester and all that kind of too, but doesn't even say a word. And you know, he's there. Mm -hmm. um, and, and certainly, you know, as, and, and myself as a, as a woman, you know, being, I think there's also big differences between eight women and eight men uh, in terms of our presence in a room. And unfortunately, and I can say this, I'm a woman, you know, we get a lot of bad rap around that, you know, sure. and, and unhealthy eight women, you know, there's a lot of names that we've probably been called. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and so it's so important, I think, for eights to just accept. And for me, it's really been an acceptance because, again, if you look at the intention and the motivation, I'm not motivated to come in and, you know, plow through people. I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not intending. I don't really want to upset anyone. So it's really been a journey of accepting mm -hmm. that despite my intention, I have to recognize how I show up. Mm -hmm. is a force and it's on me to go overboard and work harder to really embrace the compassion and embrace the two part of me, if you will, and to really help put other people at ease first. That's my responsibility as a leader. Cause if I don't, more people are going to be more intimidated and ultimately as a leader, I'm not going to get the results I want anyway. Right. So yeah, that's right. the behavior. So I spent, that's where I, I really focus a lot of my coaching efforts is helping these leaders understand your presence is a great thing from a leadership standpoint. Um, but how you show up is so key to letting that be healthy and letting that achieve what ultimately you want to achieve. And that's so helpful that you said that too. And, and, and I'm going to reference something else that you said when we broke up into that little four person group too, okay. going along with what you're saying. Because initially I thought I was a three and I had tested multiple times with other tests and I thought I was a three and I could definitely see a lot of three tendencies in me um, as well. And as a three, when I'm in a meeting, it's, it's different because I'm not showing up like in a, in my mind, I'm like, oh, if I'm a three, so this competitiveness, this drive in me from a three position doesn't leave the same impact like an eight does with my presence being there, right? So I'm unaware, which is why this is so key. I'm unaware of how my presence is impacting these people, particularly if I don't realize how they're seeing me. So not so much how I see me, but how they're seeing me. And I get you, you asked me a question when we were in that group. And honestly, that piece of advice from a person to person level, from an eight to an eight, I, to this day, put it to practice. Um, and so I didn't even get to charge you for, or you didn't get to charge me for it. Wow. So it's great. So, um, so uh, but you said, you asked me because I was discovering my eightness and you were like, let me ask you a question. Uh, when is the last time you let somebody else make a decision on something that was important? And I was like, last week. Because I, I do believe as an eight, I, I am someone that believes in my team. I do drive my team. I do compliment my team. I do give them opportunities to make decisions. I do want them. I don't want to be 
the one at the steering wheel at all times. Like I do do those things. I do believe there are elements now that I'm self-aware, the unhealthy part of my presence is my presence, not my personality, if that makes sense. So what I had to become aware of is that when I'm in the room, what I'm creating unintentionally, but when I'm creating intentionally, I think that I'm pretty healthy on that. I mean, Justin would have to affirm that or you know disagree, but I think when I'm intentional, it's a healthy situation when I'm not paying attention is when it's unhealthy. But you asked that question, when's the last time I let somebody else make a high quality decision? I said last week, and then you asked me how it went. And I said, well, they said this, this, and this. And you said, and what did you say? And I said, well, I would do this. Mm-hmm. And you said, you just robbed them of the ability to make their decision. And mm-hmm. I, and I was like, <laughs> you said as an eight, the second you say, this is what I would do. Everything else is off the table. Yeah. And I went, my God, you know, like because I, I am that guy that if I, if someone has a bad idea, I'm like, you could do that. Or, and when I say bad idea, I mean, not my idea. Right. So it's, like, so I'm like, you could do that. Or, you know, uh, you could do this and, and not being aware of an eight, not being aware of how my presence exists in certain spaces that drives them to have to do what I've said. Right. Exactly. And and therein lies the challenge of an eight in a leadership position, because a, an eight leader needs to set the tone, needs to set the direction, must have the vision, needs to articulate that in a clear way that everyone understands and wants to follow. Um, and an eight naturally probably has the answer, right? Naturally, we see things down the road, down the path. We see a lot of the strategic elements to things that may not always be super clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we oftentimes probably our answer's right. You know, my husband, you know, hates it when I say, you know, we need to do it this way or do that. And then he'll try his own way. And then he ends up and he'll, he'll come back and I go, yep, you know, <laughs> you, you were right, you were right. Right. Yeah, and, right. and, and what I've had to had to learn is it's not that I always want to be right, right? Yeah, oftentimes I can see the way it should be done and needs to be done and be more efficient and be more effective. But as a leader, that's a lonely place to be. And there's mm. not going to be a team that's going to want to work with me right. um, if that's how I am, right? So I have to turn and be more engaging and more developing of my people and help show them. There's a, there's a, um, I guess, you know, I, I talk to leaders that, you know, you might be further down the road and you see what needs to be done. And you're so far down the road that you actually see that there's a curve up ahead and that we're going to need to curve. But your team is so much further behind, right? They're not yet down the road. And as an eight leader, we're going, hurry up, hurry up. Come on, come on, right? You know, because we're already there. We want everybody to be there. Let's just make it happen. We're so action focused. We got to hurry up so we can turn this corner. As an eight leader, it's so important that you turn around and you walk back towards your team and you bring your team with you. And that really requires embracing a little bit more of the softer side of the eight. And that I think goes back to where the eight is is often misunderstood. Um, You know, again, we, we want to help people. We want to take care of people. We want to, you know, bring people forward. Um, But us dialing it back, we might have the answer. Oftentimes we do. Doesn't mean we need to say it. Doesn't mean we need to be the first one to be there. But how gratifying it can be when you know that you've played the role as an eight leader in truly getting your team where it needs to be. For me, that's been a gratifying experience. I love that in my coaching work where I can help 
a leader uncover those challenges and they get to uncover for themselves what worked for them and how that enabled them to show up. And that that's hard. An, un an unhealthy eight wants to be heard, wants to constantly give the direction, wants to pound their fist on the table and say, do it this way. Unfortunately, that only lasts so long. And sure. most people don't want to work for you in that respect. Okay. I have a, I have an interesting story around that if, if it's helpful. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Um, so uh, this was years and years ago before I even knew about the eight or knew the unhealthiness side of the eight. But again, the eight's ability to take charge, be very direct, um, know what needs to happen and engage other people to happen. So, um, back in my, um, first out of undergrad in my early twenties, I had a couple roommates. I lived in Washington, DC, and I'll never forget this January rainy, cold Saturday morning. And one of my roommates, um, ultimately had a stroke in front of me um, at the time, didn't really know to comprehend that this is a stroke happening, right? That I'd never, I'd never had that experience in my life, um, but had the presence of mind. That's the other thing about an eight, very action oriented. We need to do something about this. Um, she was the one who had the car. I didn't even have a car. We had another roommate with us at the time. Um, presence of mind, let's grab your insurance card, where are your keys, let's get you into the car, and I'm driving us to the hospital. And I remember driving and thinking to myself, do I even know where the hospital is? Yes, I remember that blue H sign, I'm going to the hospital. And now my roommate is progressively in tons of pain and, and truly getting very, very sick. Something's obviously massively wrong. I pull up to the emergency room and, you know, I had this vision of these movies, right? All these white lab coats were going to come running out, you know, <laughs> the emergency room doors to help me, you know, this whole thing, nothing, right? Crickets. So I run out of the car. My other roommate is trying to help the, the sick roommate get out of the car. I run into the emergency room. No one's looking at me. Everyone's ignoring me. Eights don't like being ignored. Mm -hmm. um, and so I see a wheelchair and I grab the wheelchair and I'm yelling back to everyone in the emergency room behind me, I'm taking this, I need help now. Still no one's coming. We get her in the wheelchair and I now am kind of, you know, forcefully, you can feel the force probably in my story, right? Mm -hmm. So you can imagine the force of running into the emergency room with her in the wheelchair. And I see a nurse um, who I'm now rolling up the wheelchair up to her and she looks at me and says, you need to go over there and check in and turns her back. And I thought, Woof, don't, <laughs> you know, you're talking to the wrong person here, right? Yeah. I knew something needed to be done. I knew this was not some normal situation. And so my intensity and directness and full span of control and that eightness of, you know, spreading my wings, I am going to take care of my roommate here, whatever the cost. I, that nurse goes to turn from me and I grab her arm with probably such force and I swung her around and eye to eye with a direct intense voice and said, I will sign whatever gosh darn paperwork, <laughs> right? I don't think I use that language yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that you want signed, but you get her back there now. And had such an intensity and such a force. And sure enough, she did. And later on, as we sat there in the waiting room, not knowing what was really happening to our roommate, when the doctor came out and explained that she had had a massive stroke, um, already was feeling the effect on, on, on one, part of her, one side of her body, mm -hmm. and said, had you not acted as quickly as you did, 
had you not gotten her here immediately, she would not be with us. Wow. And I, I say, I tell this story, I use this a lot when I do presentations and when I work with teams, because in that moment, the strength of my eight was put to the best use, right? To save a life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, if I acted like that on a daily basis, <laughs> if I led my team with intensity and directness like that on a regular basis. Wow. You know, think of all the bodies I would leave in the way, right? No (laughs) one would want to work with me. I'd get nothing done, all of that. So there's strengths and struggles to everything about that. But, but the, the piece of that, that I think is so important to understand is that was an intention related to the, the care and the injustice that I was feeling from that nurse mm-hmm. of, Hey, wait a minute. No, we need immediate attention. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, and I will it's get it. an interesting story. <laughs> so, so I have a question. Um, I'm, I'm going to read, read this here and this, this feeds into my confusion where I think I'm late sometimes because I do this and I'm curious to see what you guys say. And it's talking about eights being, you know, their typical thinking patterns. It says eights will tend to mentally assess people as either strong or weak and will treat them accordingly. This may lead to an all or nothing assessment of people and way of paying attention to others. And it's like, I do that a lot. Like if, if I, if I think you're weak, I treat you different than if I think you're strong. Mm. You know, for me, it's, I don't know that it's as much about weakness as maybe it's, as it's competency. Right. Um, and that, that's at any level, like, like, Mm -hmm. you know, so I, for example, I happen to think, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't super competent in what they're, what they're supposed (laughs) to do. That frustrates me. That really frustrates me. But, but when I do see a high level of competence, I go out of my way to recognize that and to honor that and to embrace that. So another quick example, I can remember, a few years back being in Costco and we know how long those lines are to check out of Costco. Right. <laughs> and, um, and I noticed in standing in these lines, there's this one guy who was amazing with checking people out. He was quick. He was efficient. He smiled. He clearly was enjoying his job. He talked to people and his line, no matter how big those carts, how full they were, was moving so rapidly. And so I learned to move to his line. And whenever I would check out a Costco, if he was working, even if his line was longer than someone else's, I would stand in his line because I knew that I was going to move through quick. He was so competent Mm -hmm. in that role and such that I can remember leaving his line after checking out. And I thought, you know what? He's, he's so good at what he does. He needs to be recognized because not everybody is that good. Right. And so I stopped at the membership desk and I said, you know, I want to that, you know, I don't remember his name now, but you know, I want to, he, he's so good. Right. How do I recognize him? And she said, if you walk over there and you know, there's a piece of paper, if you fill that out and tell your story, um, you know, he will get appropriate recognition. And, you know, not a lot of people do that, right? They think, oh, I don't want to stop and take the time. I, mm-hmm. you know, I got frozen food in my cart. I need to get going home. And I did. And I stopped and I wrote that because I'm a big believer that, you know, yes, I guess I do have, if I'm honest with myself as an eight, I do have high standards. I do have high expectations. I do kind of expect people to do mm-hmm. what they're supposed to do. 
And I, I, my unhealthy side, I hate to have to admit it. It's hard for me sometimes to, to give that bit of grace that says we're all on a journey. Everybody's trying. Nobody's perfect. Not even me. Right. And um, we can't expect the best out of everybody. But when you see it, it's so important to recognize it. And I think that's true. But, but it frustrates me. Yes. As an aide, I'm frustrated by incompetence, not as much weakness, but if I size you up that you're saying that, you know, you can perform in this job and you really can't. That's a huge frustration for an eight. Yeah, yeah I, I think that I fall. I, I think I probably fall in that category a little bit. I do the same thing as you. It's funny you tell that story. Anytime I have a waiter or a waitress or someone that is just killer, I the I like I need to see the manager. You know, I'll talk to the host and be like, I need to see the manager. Of course, when most people hear that, they're like, Oh god, you know. So the manager comes up like, What? Who did what? You know? And I'm like, You know, I tell them how great that person. When my wife kind of is like you know, when it does happen, she's like, golly, like, do you have to do that? And I'm like, you know, I don't think people get enough acknowledgement. So I'm, I'm very similar to you in that where I'm like, people need to be acknowledged when they do a good job. And I think that I, one of the gifts that I have, I think is a spiritual thing, honestly, um, is I have the, a gift of when I look at people, I don't see who they are, so who they can be. Mm. Right. And so it's, uh, when I see someone, even if they are maybe weak or, um, what I, I, I see who they can be. And I do make it a mission of mine as a leader to try to help them get to where I see them being. Now yeah. I will say <clears throat> that where that, where the eight comes in in an unhealthy way is when they don't get there or they don't make the effort to try mm-hmm. to get there. Because I think that, you know, uh, just when I have this conversation often, everyone has a leadership cap. Um, that either they're willing to stop at or they naturally stop at and they're not willing to blast through that roof. Um, so everyone has a different capacity for leadership, I, I believe at least. Um, and, and if you're going to get through that capacity lid, it's going to take a lot from you. You're going to really have to break your mold and all those things. Um, when I see that people have more in them than they're willing to put in the effort for, I very quickly can just be like, just move them to the side. Not that I don't care about them, but it's like, I got these 10 people over here that my time investment into them will really be maximized. And if you're not willing to go to the place I believe you can go, then I'm here for you, but I need you to move out of the way a little bit because I need to be here. You know, I think that, and I think that's why in this, when I was talking about strong and weak and I read that strong and weaker in quotes, right that's weakness to me like you're weak and i don't have time for that yeah (laughs) an unhealthy version of me can be very direct with that so yeah and that's and that's dangerous for an eight leader because again we hold ourselves to such high expectations eight leaders are constantly learning you know we've got that five in us too that Mm. you you know we're constantly and and we we're setting the bar higher and higher and higher for ourselves (laughs) and so um, you, you know, it's 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 an unfair expectation to put that on everyone else. Yeah. Uh, but we put that on ourselves, and having to recognize that. But but what you the healthy side of, of your eight that you did express was that vulner, you know that that vulnerability side inside of you know I, I really want to take care of these people, and I mm-hmm. see that you know they can grow and develop, and I want to help them. That's the part of of an eight that's that. You know, you know, I heard the term an eight described as a marshmallow wrapped in barbed wire. Mm -hmm. And I love that because I think that that is huge. You know, inside an eight's intentions is just I care and I really want to help. And Mm -hmm. I don't often show that to people right as an eight. That's my protection. That barbed wire 
is, is protecting that side to me. But all of that of what you just described, Brad, is driven around, I know the possibilities for my team and I, and I really want them to get there. But the frustration piece is when they're not willing to do what to you is probably so simple. And so <laughs> exactly. Easy, right. Yeah. If they would us do these couple of things. But unfortunately, we as aides need to recognize that while it may feel simple and easy for us, it's not necessarily simple and easy for others. And so they need us to just express more empathy, to just go and access our two and really help them and mm -hmm. reach out and say, I want to help you get there. And well, I think it's, you know, one thing that many people don't understand about an eight, you know, and I'm sure you would agree with this is the second for me, the second somebody is willing to break their own mold. So they're, they're willing, the second they're willing to shatter their, their glass ceiling um, and step into, you know, a different version of themselves that I see in them is the, it, those are the people that I'll take the barbed wire off for. Those mm -hmm. are the people that I'll actually let into my world in a way that no one else see. They'll see a, like I'll, I'll expose a vulnerable side of my leadership to the ones who are willing to be vulnerable in whatever it takes for them, you know, so for a one to chill out a little bit and, uh, like allow some, you know, spontaneity or what, like what, uh, yeah. uh, whatever it looks like for that person, I, I'll, they'll get to experience an aspect of me, but if they're not willing to do that for themselves, there's no willing, there's no way I'm willing to let them experience my vulnerability. Cause it's like, you know, yeah, I don't know why, but that's just where I am, you know? Yeah. That's the, I think the trust piece to an eight, mm -hmm. you, you know, and an eight is certainly a self prese you know, unfortunately what a lot of people, we, we as eights and self prese eights don't allow people to see is we have put that barbed wire on more often than not because of experiences that we've had in yeah. our younger years that have formulated our need to survive. It's formulated our need to protect ourselves. It's formulated our need to, you know, take that control for our own personal survivorship for lots of different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, and we rarely, um, if ever, allow people in and allow ourselves to unfold to allow the beauty um, from whatever that suffering experience has been that we've all experienced as those self-pres eights, um, to allow the growth through that and the beauty to shine through that. And so it's a trust thing, I find, too, that if we notice other people doing that, it's it's a little bit easier for us, but but still, you know, not so simple. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, you know, going back to even the beginning, um, you know, uh, where you asked about, you know, the often what what's so often understood about the eight and, you know, Justin, you know, you reference, reference Donald Trump and not, again, not to go into politics, but, you know, there are some aspects when you see his vulnerability show up. You know, I remember seeing a picture of him waiting on uh, the Marine helicopter late wee hours of the morning waiting to go greet some soldiers that were coming home. Um, and, and some of that vulnerability side, or you hear women that have worked for him for years and what he's done to really embrace them. Again, they've proven that they know their stuff. They've, they've proven that they're smart. They've proven that, you know, they understand that and he's willing to embrace. And so there's, there's moments of that vulnerability that shows through, but because of that abrasive, intense, you know, unhealthy piece of, of an eight that shows it's hard for people to look past that. I also, um, you know, again, we, we don't know if Donald Trump's an eight, right? That's our guess. But, right. um, 
you know, another, another famous person that um, my husband and I watched um, the last dance with Michael Jordan and, and um, the basketball, you know, um, was really a fun thing over, over the pandemic and watching that. And, you know, originally from the Midwest and I remember those games and, you know, passionate about Michael Jordan. And I kept thinking to myself, gosh, I have a feeling Michael Jordan's an eight, right? His level of intensity, his perfectionism, his constant Mm -hmm. strive to learn the game, be better and push his team to be better. And that fierceness Mm -hmm. that showed up um, oftentimes. Um, And and there's a lot to be said, you know, with um, his coach, Phil Jackson, and he's got a great book, I think the seven rings um, and Phil Jackson, totally opposite. Right. And how Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson, you know, Michael Jordan didn't have a whole lot of respect at first for Phil Jackson because he met at a different approach, didn't like it, didn't think he embraced allowed Michael to have the level of control that he wanted in that level of independence, but how they grew and how Michael became fiercely protective of Phil Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that Michael Jordan is articulated, you know, back then that, you know, how he would not play if Phil was not the coach. I mean, he became yep. so fiercely loyal and that's the fierceness um, and the loyalty and the embracing of, and the love that really is deep down inside an eight. Um, but we don't often allow it to be shown. That's so good. I, I, have you watched the whole thing? Are you done with the documentary? Okay. Yeah. Do you remember the episode where he was talking about teammates that weren't willing to be on that level? He, not his level of talent, but his level of competitiveness. And he and starts to, he starts to break down and he cuts it. Yeah. And I That's was like, I, I, I have rarely watched anything hit me to my core the way that little 10 second clip i was just like wow that was the moment i was like he's an eight i i'm i'm convinced he's an eight not at first i would have always thought of him as a three honestly like achiever and you know all those things um but watching that one segment i was like ooh, um be like that moment of vulnerability and it wasn't about his family or anything it was about like if you're not willing to come here with me then I don't know. I don't have anything for you. And I was just like, golly. Um, That's the part that, you know, again, my, my coaching practices around leaders and teams and helping teams be more healthy and work better together. And and certainly with the leader, but that's the hard part because um, if, if, if people can be willing to um, eights appreciate and welcome anyone who's willing to, in a way, put up with some of my unhealthy intensity and drive and some of that. If you can break through to me, I embrace that all day long. And I truly, as an eight, want you to break through to me, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be, because an eight is is going to protect that vulnerability to their core. Mm-hmm. Um, an eight's not going to be the one to step into that place. But if you can can do that for me, it allows me to do that. And an eight has to realize that if we are demonstrating those unhealthy behaviors that are intimidating and shutting people down and controlling the conversation and controlling the actions and, um, you know, moving through people, you know, that doesn't make a whole lot of people want to be brave and try to break through our vulnerability. So it's a real journey for an eight to do that. Um, You you know, I I know for myself, um, you know, the twos are are people that I have struggled with over my 
career simply because of not understanding, right? They really want to help. They really, you know, they may see me as an eight being overwhelmed so much on my plate because an eight takes everything on, you know, that's the left side of the eight, right? We think we can just do more and more and more and kind of put ourselves aside. And we don't maybe don't realize that we should be delegating or what have you. And a two wants to come and save us and help us. And they need, they want our love, right? So they're trying to do that. And, and sometimes a two for me feels like, you know, back off. I, I, I got this. I don't want you to, you know, act like I can't stay in control. But where I've had to grow and learn is to recognize that if I could take the empathy and the compassion and the love of a two and really leverage that with the um, leadership of an eight, that that really motivates people. And that's going to drive people. It makes me more approachable. It makes me more someone that people want to get to know and maybe lessens, hopefully, a little bit of that intimidation factor. Um, that's that's the abrasiveness. That's the barbed wire that, that makes it hard. And through that, I have found for myself that I have allowed that exposure more to me and embrace that vulnerability. And the people, when when I have allowed for that vulnerability and that exposure, it's actually developed the relationships further and those have become more engaging. So, but that's a tough road. That's a long road. Mm-hmm. And an eight cannot be pushed into that. If you, if you say, Oh, eight, do you want to talk about it? Or do you want to share what that was? Boy, don't say that to an eight. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. No. Uh, unfold. That's funny. My wife is a five. Uh, mm-hmm. and so we've, uh, in my growth, uh, one of the things in our marriage we've actually had to do is I've actually had to let her into my headspace because there's so many times we're riding down the road and my brain is, is in eight mode it work and all, and I'm just, you know, like, um, and so I've given her permission that anytime she asks what I'm thinking, I'm going to answer the question. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many times she's like, I regret asking that, question, <laughs> you know, cause it's so, you know, she thinks I'm thinking about, you know, uh, maybe our marriage or whatever. And I'm sitting over here, like I'm thinking about, you know, uh, whether or not we can put cameras at positions one and five instead of two and four. And if that would make a better product for, you know, she's like, never mind. I, you know, and so, um, because I'm constant, I live in that space of like, this is going to get better. This is, and, and so I've had to, for the sake of her, um, because if I'm sitting there quiet, going back to what you were saying, if I'm sitting there as an eight, even in my marriage and my face is cold and my body language is cold and we're supposed to be on a date and I'm, I'm in my own world, how, what that could mean to my spouse who doesn't understand my intensity. Um, and so I've given, you know, giving her permission to say like, what are you thinking and not be afraid that I'm going to be like, don't, sh- I don't want to talk about it, but like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to answer that. Anytime you ask me what I'm thinking, that means you're feeling a type of way about my energy. And I'm going to answer the question, even if I know you, it will make sense to you. Um, and, and maybe that's helpful for eights to give people in their circle that they are willing to be vulnerable with, that they do trust to ask that question and be honest with them. Because like you say, there are so many people in our circles that are like, how can I help you today? Or what do you need? And it's like, I'm not going to answer that question for you. Like, you know, I don't, I don't trust you. I'm not willing to give you access to that part of my mind, soul, whatever. Um, But finding people that you can start to let the barbed wire off a little bit with, you know, as you were talking about. So, 
Yeah. And especially again, in a leadership role, I work with senior level leaders and it's lonely at the top, you know, senior level. I say that all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. Senior level leaders, more often than not, it's just the, the way the leadership hierarchy is. We're surrounded by people that are going to say yes, are going to say, you know, okay, are going to tell us kind of what we want to hear and are afraid to tell us what we need to hear. And when you take an eight's intensity and persona and behaviors and presence and confidence and how we show up, we only amplify, amplify their feeling of, I'm not telling you what you really need to hear. I'm not saying no to him. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying no to her. I'm not going to tell her what's really happening. And so um, it's so important for senior level leaders to find that person, whether it's an executive coach or whether it's, you know, a partner, whether it's a, a, a treasured friend, a mentor, somebody who you do trust, who you can be vulnerable with and that you can hear mm-hmm. the goodness of the feedback that from which it's intended um, because eights need the feedback eights need to be told here's how you're showing up and this is impacting our ability because I want the results right I, I want us to get this done so help me understand what's why isn't this working mm-hmm. I need know that but if it's me and my behaviors i really need to know that because mm-hmm. i got to make sure that my intentions are, are matching so lots of lots of coaching work I, I really love the world of coaching senior level leaders for that very reason because they do need it they need someone where they can open up and be vulnerable um and all in the vein of let's just make this better right it's not that you're bad or you're a bad person or or all of these traits um it's really more about how do we leverage this to, to be your best self. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, that's so good. And I mean, I know we've already like hit our time cap for today and we didn't get a chance to get into a lot of the stuff we wanted to talk about. So, um, you know, well, I, happy, I, to come, happy to come back. We I, can I, always I was going to say, we would love to have you back. I, I think we need to, there's so much we need to talk about with wings and lines and some of those things too for eight. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll bring you back for another episode because um, I think it's so rich and and again, because eights are so misunderstood, um, and because there are so many unhealthy eights out there, um, sure. I think our conversation today is has been helpful. Oh yeah, um, and both for me, but also for others, um, and for those that have to interact with an eight, people in our organization, you know, um, to understand a little bit of our world and and what you said. One of the things you said was so key, you know that that um, we walk around already there's i tell people this all the time there's never a situation that comes across my path even though covid tested this i won't lie um there's rarely a situation that crosses my path where i don't already know what we should do right so you need to bring something to me that's that's as good or better than i already have in my head now that is so unfair yeah for me to do as a leader so i'm i work on that so but but that's the challenge for me where mm-hmm. it's like, man, you really, especially I think about like, I'm a creative person. We have a creative director. His job is so hard because when I, when I create a sermon series, I already have artwork in my head because I'm a creative. So you got to bring me something as good or better than what I see. And that's so subjective. Like it's better to me, but it may not be better to Justin. Like Justin may look at me like that's crap, man. Like, (laughs) you know, so all that to say is it it is very hard for eights. So we as eights have to modify and others also, you know, get to 
have to stand their ground. They have to push back. So just all the things we talked about today. And so, yeah, an eight, yeah, it'd be fun to maybe peel that back a little bit more because an eight leader, sometimes, even though you have that answer and you know that yep. the strength of an eight leader is being able to step back mm-hmm. and allow other people to unfold the answer and the strength of an eight leader, when you can truly help other people unfold and get to where you really are, go back to the analogy of the strength of an eight leader to get people down that road so they can see the curve and know what they need to do. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of an eight leader. When I, yeah. Um, and lots of things we can talk about next time. I agree. (laughs) And I think for eight leaders, I'm sure you would agree with this surrounding yourself with the right people. You know, one of the things that's so valuable with Justin, and we talk about it a little bit, we don't talk about it enough though. One of the things that's so valuable with Justin is he runs people off of my path in a good way. So they'll come to him. like, I need to talk to, I need to talk to pastor Brad because I need to find out what he thinks about this. this, And he's the first one to go, what do you think about that? Like, don't bring him into that conversation to try to help them understand, you know, you're going to do a lot better walking in with a plan than asking him for a plan. Like you're going to do a lot better coming in, you know, so he really tries to run people off of my path in a good way to try to help them understand, like, listen, if you're going to be, if you're going to stick around here, if you're going to be a leader here, you need to, you know, to try to assure them. And for some people that's intimidating. Some people look back at, look at Justin and they really like kind of judge him harshly based on that. He's trying to help them understand like, listen, if you can't do this, your future here is not, doesn't look good. Why wouldn't we just do it ourselves? Right. If you're, like if you're that way, it's like, yeah. yeah. But as an eight, knowing, having the wherewithal that my presence makes people feel like they need my approval mm-hmm. on step one and two before they go to three, four and five and how we as leaders that are eights, can say like, you know, and I have, I've practiced this. I I practice this a lot of saying I defer. Like, so you tell me, it's not that I don't have an opinion. I'm just not going to give it to you. So you figure it out and you bring it to me. Don't, don't ask for the opinion. Yeah. You know, so I, we have, you know, we've been growing, especially since October, especially since finding out I'm an eight and what that does to people. And, um, so we've been growing a lot in that, but I can, there's so much more to be done. And so I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm already ready for a new episode with you so Absolutely. we can talk more. Cause that was, so, that's so rich. Awesome. So, so, um, you know, we'll talk about this again, but, um, Ray Ellen, uh, where can people find you if they want to find out more about you or maybe if they're interested in coaching or whatever, where can they find information on you? Sure. Thank you. Yep. So um, my, my website is uh, covichstrategies.com. You can reach me there. And certainly on LinkedIn, uh, Ray Ellen Kovich at LinkedIn um, is an easy way. Um, I would, would love to connect with anyone. Okay, cool. Awesome. And before we get off here, we've done this with every guest, so we're going to do it real quick. Yeah. Um, it's a little game that we play. It's a little rapid fire deal. Okay. okay. So it's on Instagram. Her name's Enneagram Ashton. She does an incredible job with Enneagram stuff. But she's created a little poll, and it's it's I'm an Enneagram blank. So in this case, today it's an eight. All right, okay. um, and it's just a list of terms, and you're gonna rate yourself one to five. All right, so one being that's not me at all, and five being get out of my business. Okay, so um, and thanks to Justin, we've allowed for a decimal point system. That's right. <laughs> so, so you can do three point fives or whatever. All right. So here's the list. All right. The first one is assertive. Oh, I'm, I'm five. Five point five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, strong. Mm. Uh, not necessarily physically. I, you know, I still got to get in that gym a little bit more, but yes. 
Um, probably 5.5 there too. Okay. Driven. Um, probably more of a four. Okay. Decisive. Four. Opinionated. So I'm hesitating because I don't want to have to admit, but <laughs> probably a 4.5. Okay. Yep. Uh, passionate. Uh, passionate about certain things. Absolutely. Um, you know, passionate about coaching, passionate about my Christianity, passionate about all these things. I would say passionate about being a mom. Sure. So, yeah. yeah I guess I, I'm guessing I'm a five for sure. <laughs> all right. Uh, protective. Hmm. Yes. Protective of those I love. No question. I will spread those wings wide and wrap you. I'm a mama bear with her cubs. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, leader. Yeah. You know, leader in, in when I was back in corporate, you know, certainly, but now more so I, I would say, you know, maybe more of a three because now I get more um, satisfaction out of embracing and encouraging and building other leaders up. Okay. Um, so maybe I'm a leader in my space of what I do, but I, I'm more comfortable taking the back seat and allowing others and growing their leadership. So I'm probably more a three in there. All right. Uh, direct. Mm, 5.5. <laughs> uh, fights for others. Uh, if it's something I'm passionate about, like, like the story of my, my roommate, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, in that respect. You so, were seven but, that day. Yes. I was seven that day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 7.5. Yeah. 10, whatever. Uh, but, uh, but in general, I'm not necessarily a, a fighter. Okay. Uh, loves a debate. Mm, love that intellectual banter. I'll go to toe to toe with you all day long. Oh, love good, it. Bring good, it on. Good. Yeah. That's where Justin starts getting, he's like, man, I don't know. I could lean in. <laughs> Justin I'll, loves a debate. I'll debate all day. Um, World changer. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a five in the respect that I'm going to take on a massive, visible, highly visible change the world project. I, but I probably would say I'm a world changer in a five in the respect that I enjoy doing that one person at a time. Yeah. And if I can, if I can change, uh, not change, it's not about me, but if I can really help grow another person where they can go on and have a larger impact uh, that's where my passion is. Okay, sweet. Uh, loves being in charge. I'm going to get a 3.5 because okay. if it's truly important to me and um, I don't see that anybody else is able to meet my standards and do it that way, then I am <laughs> going to take charge. But but truly, I prefer, I, I want other people yeah. to be strong and yes. be in charge. So that's, yes. that's the challenge. I really want. So I, most people would probably think that an eight is a five in that respect, but I'm going to tell you, no, I'm going to be more of a three. Question for on that. And we only have a few more left. Question on that. When you have to take charge, now keep that word have to, those words have to are important in this question. When you have to take charge, are you annoyed? Yes. I'm frustrated because okay. someone else didn't. And, and I'm frustrated because you were incompetent and you should have, this was your job and you didn't do it. And now I have to step in. Yeah, and sweet. so, yes, that that's annoyance and frustration. And for an eight, unfortunately, the help, the unhealthy piece it can show as more anger and intensity and that's not good. So yeah. um, we like it when other I'm people step up. Yeah. Good. All right. Very good. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Uh, can say no. You can say no. Mm, that's hard. I, I feel like I can take everything on and I need to get better at saying no. Okay. Well, did I get so. three, 3.5 maybe? Yeah. 2.5. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, confident. Yeah, I'm a five. Okay. Uh, takes initiative. 
Definitely a five. <laughs> Justice Seeker. Yeah, I'm pretty close to a five. I don't, I don't uh, like them. It's not right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> lastly is committed. Uh, again, probably situational, you, okay. you know, if it's important to me, I'm committed. If it, if it's, if I don't see it as that important, you, you know, um, then, uh, so it's, it's gotta be something I'm passionate about. And when I set my mind to it, I'm fully committed. Um, but so I guess overall, maybe a three and a half. Okay. All right. So good. Awesome. Awesome. Very good. Great man. questions. Really good. Yeah. She did a good job on that. So that was a good conversation altogether. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Raylan, thank, like, thank you. Golly, this was so good. So yeah, yeah we're gonna definitely need a, we're gonna need a, a, a follow up for this in the near future for sure. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll we, set something up. We didn't even get into some of the lines and blind uh, spots and wings and all that stuff. So there's so yeah. much good stuff left. Well, and it is right now. Like for example, in our organization, we really don't have any more eights. So we have multiple twos. Multiple we have a lot of twos. We have a lot of twos. We have some sixes and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't get to have in depth conversations with eights very often. Um, and I was so I'm so thankful that we were able to unpack. Yeah, some of the thought process behind um, our Why world we a little bit. The way we are, right? I think it's going to be so helpful for people that work with us, um, mm-hmm. but in the other eights out there to go, oh my gosh, I do that. Yeah, and like you did for me at that class. That one question, I was like, oh my gosh. So I'm hoping that helps other people too. Absolutely. So, sure. so. Well, I awesome. so appreciate what you all are doing. I mean, this is great. The more yeah. we can help people understand who everyone is so that we can be more appreciative and understanding of everyone else. That's why we're here, right? Let's Absolutely. just embrace exactly. it and love everybody. And, but it's as a human, it's hard. All those things get in the way. So I yes. applaud you all for what you're doing and more power to you. However I can help you. I'm more than happy to. So we, I hope you'll reach out. Yeah. We we'll appreciate that. We want to thank, you know, our guest Ray Ellen Kovich for being with us today. Such an honor to have you with us. And that's going to pretty much wrap up episode 10 of the better today podcast. So please make sure wherever you're listening, that you, that you subscribe, leave us a review, all those things helps us out. So we, we would appreciate that. You can also find us online, better today, podcast.com or Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at better today pod. Yep. And uh, you can find me and Justin on Instagram, Twitter. I'm at Brad Livingston underscore. Yeah. I'm at Justin Oswald underscore. So make sure you subscribe and uh, you can join us for the next episode of the better day podcast, where we aim to help you build the new you using the Enneagram to be better today for a better tomorrow. See you guys later guys. Yeah.